Today's show is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. This month, celebrating one year of being the official sponsor of the DVR Podcast Network. Thank you, Cufflinks. Go to Cufflinks.com all November. Use code Disney Plus to save 20% off Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars. Elevate your style when you walk out in the morning. Look good. Feel good. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use that code Disney Plus. Also use our code DVR20. Save 20% off your order anytime, no minimum. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel, and my co-host today and every Wednesday on our journey in this magnificent world is Aaron Otto. Today we'll be giving you our analysis and crazy-ass theories to Watchmen Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Little Fear of Lightning. Tonight's episode was written by Carly Ray and our showrunner, Damon Lindelof. The episode was directed by Steph Green. And you can send us feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com and check out dvrpodcast.com. You can check out all our great podcasts. And speaking of that, I want to thank Apple Podcasts. Well, I want to thank everyone for their great reviews. We're up to 30. Let's make it 50, baby. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Your kindness. We appreciate that. It goes far in spreading the word. Uh, but on Apple Podcasts, I want to thank them because they gave us a producer's page. So if you scroll down in any one of our podcasts, you'll see it says more from DVR Podcast Network. And so we have a page where you can find out about all our great podcasts. And don't forget, in January, I'll be back to cover The Bachelor on Batch It Up with Sarah. And Heath and I are going to dive back into season two of Mindhunter. So I'm looking forward to that post-Watchmen. But today, we're getting into episode five. Aaron, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. That's right. I'm ready to talk about this episode. <laughs> Me too, man. This was kind of uh, close to home for the both of us because the opening takes place in Hoboken, and we both lived in Jersey City. Actually, we were talking about this the other day. I lived there from... 98 until 2000, maybe 2008. Six? No, two, no, no, it was 2008. It was just before the election in 2008. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I lived there for almost 10 years, a little less than 10 years, I think, when you work it out. And how long did you live in Jersey City? So I got there. I got to Jersey City. This is fun, funny. Uh, we went to college, obviously, but um, for people who don't know, um, care, uh, we went to the same university. We're obviously very good friends. And uh, Rutgers, Livingston and I, College, strength through diversity. That's right. that's right. My wife and I moved to Jersey City. My first wife, I'm sorry. I, am, uh, I was married for two years. Uh, we moved to Jersey City, and a month later, Axel moved with a bunch of friends separately, not oh. I mean, it was just kind of a weird thing. He said, oh, I'm just moving to Jersey City. And we ended up being a mile away from each other. So it was almost like we were back at college. Yeah, um, so that, that was awesome. Yeah. So I was there until about uh, uh, September of 2009. So okay. it would have been more than 10 years. Yeah. So you lived there a little bit longer than me, baby. And we've spent many a night in Hoboken. My sister lived in Hoboken. My brother lived in Hoboken. 
We knew a bunch of people in Hoboken. This was not shot in Hoboken. (laughs) 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 And even the coastline, like, I don't know where they would put that. I don't know what street in Hoboken ends right where there's a a huge Ferris wheel. Like, they would have no place to put that thing. That was not even really kind of a correct it was kind of strange, too, the way they changed it. I mean, it could be like that because what's there now is a long promenade, and you can yeah. jog it or walk it, and it's really nice. Uh, it has a nice, like, wrought iron uh, gate going down it and just overlooks all of Manhattan. It's really not that much there, which I always appreciated that there wasn't, like, a store right at the edge of Hoboken because it's such a commercial place. But this was, like, back in the day Hoboken. It felt a little bit, I mean, they were kind of have the carnival feel gives that older feeling. Uh, and I like when they pulled out, you see Frank Sinatra, or it was Sinatra the Third Boulevard. Um, and everyone, there's so many bars in Hoboken that you walk in and there's like 30 pictures of Frank Sinatra. I don't know if there are anymore. Yes, that's true. But mm-hmm. uh, you'd have to kind of walk back away from the main avenue to find them. But um, yeah, Hoboken, what a place. Hoboken and Jersey yeah Yeah. baby so that kind of threw me just for the first little bit of it I was really just kind of like trying is that hope like would that really be could they shut no this isn't Hoboken of course it wasn't but uh this was a great opening and um there's a couple articles that came out and Damon Lindelof did a little interview about how in the very beginning, one of the first things he said in the writer's room was, we are going to show the squid. We're going to do it later in the season, but you know we ha- we're going to work up to it. And I thought that this whole story of Looking Glass's um, origin story was so emotionally effective that it totally worked with the squid because that's what the squid was all about, psychic trauma. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Um, I thought I thought that it added a lot to it. And unlike the movie, for there's a lot of people that have just seen the movie, um, this is how it really ended in the comic. And I was really, really happy to see, because there's a lot of people who don't know, who have not read the comic or may have just heard parts of the, you know, the story. But I, I was very happy to see that now people are going to understand what happened, what the basis of everything was back in 1985, what this big event was, um, and why these little squids are now falling. Um, so I, it, it tied up some, the, the great thing about this episode, it tied up some loose ends, but it also opened up a, you know, a whole new like puzzle box or whatever. I just, we stepped through the looking glass. This is Alice in Wonderland now. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, man. It's amazing. And, and I, you know what? I had not even picked up on the looking glass Dharma station and yeah. like all the, cause like there was a whole subset of lost heads who were obsessed with, and I mean, Dharma. they're there, all of the Alice in Wonderland illusions, yes. including Miss Wendy, who did the show with uh, Heath, and they, she would mention all the mirror moments and all this kind of stuff. And um, they're, they're in this show too, but this one really brought them out. And yeah. uh, that, that was kind of fun. I was reading something, and someone was like, Looking Glass Station. I was like, Oh my God, Mikhail. Oh, Mikhail. Mikhail. He was awesome. <laughs> Oh, that was a great moment. That was a great that 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 was one of the best episodes of the show. I know Charlie dying. Wow, I know. And it was the probably fact, the most emotional 
uh, except maybe the end. Yeah, that was, uh, and the whole thing of that, you see that cable on the, on the beach and then you don't find out what it is for like two seasons, I think. I know that's, like that's, season that's one what made Lost great. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's great stuff. And you can see him doing stuff like this and it made me think, I'm glad that you brought up that idea of discovery of people who had just watched the film I mean, and we're not, yeah, the film, and we're not sure, like they had heard, okay, the comic ends differently. Now you actually get to see it. I think it's really smart that they actually did it. I didn't expect it. When they pull away from him, uh, or they pull away from the scene in Hoboken, and you see the street, and it just keeps on going, I was like, what? They're going to show this? And then I was, wow. And then- it made Perry, my wife, who has not read the comic, and I don't know if she's seen the film, she may have a while ago, kind of understand the squid stuff. And uh, yeah. it made me think about people who hadn't, or like probably most of the people who hadn't read the comic, hadn't seen the film, are watching this. And now I feel like you have... Through these six episodes, I really think they've done a good job of telling five. you what you, I'm sorry, five, heading into yeah. the sixth. Yeah. Um, you have done a good job of giving comic stuff that you need to know to understand the story. So in the beginning, I wasn't so sure. And I was like, everybody, you have to read the comic first. Now, if somebody asked me after the season's over, I would probably say, you don't have to. No, you shouldn't actually. You know, it might be kind of fun not to. Yeah. Right? To actually watch the show first and then go back and read the comic. That might kind of be fun. Um, Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. So I was really, it made me think about that after just kind of in the context of the show. Because when we first started talking about this a month ago, um, I was very adamant about, yeah, you definitely need to at least read up on it. But um surprisingly for me, they were able to integrate this history. I shouldn't have been surprised, but it make it feel, give it a resonance that I felt like even the comic didn't give it. Oh, I agree. I mean, yeah, the comic, it was just like, boom, there it is. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like in the video, which we'll get into later with Adrian V bite, sorry, explaining, um, what happened um, and why, why he, you know, launched the attack to, you know, he was the video to Robert Redford or whatever. Yeah. Um, that also provided much needed context of why, why would he do that? Why, you know what I mean? I don't think that's really been yes. explained either. Yeah, exactly. So we've talked about it from the comic standpoint, but now viewers can see it. And hopefully I could tell some of the, I wish we could go back and tell some of those viewers who are probably lost that if they had more context that they would have stayed on with the show. You know what I mean? But you know, I think some of those people will come back anyway. Once it's all over, I think they might just, you know, binge watch it. Yeah, man. With so many of these shows, we get caught up in, um, I was actually just talking about this with Justin where like covering Mindhunter with Heath, Everybody's watched it. There's no like current, like, you know, buzz that's happening. So we have like almost a pure look at it. And I feel like oftentimes podcasters, when I'm listening to them, I think a lot of them forget this is kind of like seeing a film in a theater now. Whereas in the past, you'd think a, a, a good majority of people saw something when it aired. But now most people are going to see this way after it aired. 
right? It's going to have a, it's it's life is going to be so long that when you add up the amount of people over the next 10 years that are going to discover Watchmen, it's going to far surpass the number of people watching it now. So I think, go ahead. Yeah. I was, yeah, I, was, I think what I was going to say was um, that I think a common thing with shows is a lot of people, you know, especially when it gets a lot of hype the way that the Watchmen did, is they'll watch the first episode in which it had like the biggest viewing since Westworld maybe or ever. I don't know. It's clo- It's one of the it, two. It did. It did. Uh, yeah. And uh, so then a lot of people fell off, you know, you know, gradually. And I think now people are starting to build back up. But mm-hmm. I think that um, I think, you know, what happened is a lot of people looked at it and said, okay, I don't need to watch this every week, but you know, put it, you know, I'll shelf it. And then when it's done, I'm going to watch it all yeah, in a winter. Know, you know you what, know? dude, that's a great point too, because what I find, what I um, even like with Westworld theory cast, I went back and just a couple months ago, I looked at the stats and I was like, Whoa, what the hell? So many people have downloaded the show. And then I started kind of reading around and, and looking around on Twitter and stuff and realizing, oh, okay, with a lot of these like question theory shows, there are people who want to be a part of it all the time like us and while it's happening. Yeah. But then there's a lot of people who are like, yo, I got a life. Um, I'm going to watch this thing and then I'm going to watch it straight through. So the mystery keeps you wanting to binge it. You know what I mean? And also, and also they may have 20 other shows they're already yeah, watching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much there's so much going on. And yeah. that's why uh even like this podcast are evergreen in a sense and you know, I like saying with Westworld, who knew that so many months later so many people are going to watch it because they decided to oh, well Westworld and then they check out season 1 and they just end up watching both seasons. You know, and they yeah. listen to a podcast about it. So, that's kind of cool, but let's get back into this first scene. Um it really sets the stage for who looking glass is. And, yeah. and I think you, you did, you took some good notes about this, just basically about he really, there, there's so much with him about the anxiety and it's there present from when he's a kid, just in the, in the interplay that goes on with the girl, the way, you know, he's so religious. Mm-hmm. But he has, he's obviously a sinner, though. He has desires. <laughs> we all do, baby. Uh, we sure do. And, uh, yeah, so I think he has a, that this pretty much launches the battle with his personal desires and his sense of justice and being righteous. Um, so, but he does have weaknesses, which obviously have been exploited here. And we see for the first time uh, with the girl um, who takes all his clothes and laughs at him and runs. And then he, uh, then that's, that's when the psychic blast happened and he's, well, actually he looks in the mirror first and then berates himself saying that he's stupid and this and that. And I definitely, I think you and probably many others are in agreement that this is where his name came from this, he was so fascinated with the mirrors when he first entered with the girl, he wasn't yeah. even really paying attention to her that much. And I think he just took on that persona because that's how he felt. He has to look at himself or. You know, he's, he just, it's almost like he has to smack himself. You know, I, I don't, did he smack himself? He may have. I don't know. I it think he like did. He, he should have. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, I, and, uh, yeah. So then that psychic blast happened and think, oh, shit got crazy. Um, that's, that's all I was going to say about that. Um, did you want to add or anything to it? Yeah. I think that, I, I think that 
this says so much about his personality. And this episode not only delves into his anxieties and like PTSD, post-traumatic squid disorder, <laughs> but um, also him as a man, right? Like there's a separation there. There's a lot of people who have anxiety or depression and it, you you can't write it down to a story like this. You know what I mean? Like he had yeah. this such traumatic event where it's a double traumatic event. Not only did the girl humiliate, he was so excited. He was sinning in his eyes, right? Doing something wrong. Yeah. The girl yeah. punishes him. Then the world punishes him. When yeah. he comes out and sees all these dead people and also suffered from the effects that he's suffering from too are not just psychological that uh that psychic bomb that va- yeah, that, that squid mm-hmm. was is like a you know actually killed people it, it had a physical effect on people's brains yeah. so he in a sense is suffering too from that type of trauma you know um, yeah. that is like medical as well, which is one thing that I was kind of surprised at that, um, he was in this group and everything, but that there didn't seem to be any like medical intervention, you know, like maybe yeah. he took like, squ- uh, like, uh, brain building pills or something. I thought there might've been something like that in the aftermath. Sure. Um, but it, it, it shows that. Later on, when he's faced with this, you know, the um, radiologist luring him in and then he, the betraying Angela and all that kind of stuff, it just kind of shows that from an early age, really, he just doesn't know who he is. Like that looking glass and that mirror is, is not, is just because he is a reflection of whatever is there in front of him. He has no strength. He has no inner He's kind of like the opposite of Rorschach. Yeah. You know, a lot of yeah. people have been comparing him to Rorschach and it's true, but really oh, yeah. it's the opposite of Rorschach. Um, this sense of justice, but he's not, well, he wasn't willing to take it. But to the does lake. he, yeah. Does he really have a sense? Cause yeah. it's like, as, I know, soon I as, agree. as soon as his worldview is challenged, he yep. flips. See what he did. That's right. So he's not like you could say one thing about Rorschach and he's not a hero in my eyes in any way from the comic, but you cannot deny that he had a steely spine. And when he set his mind to something, that is all he was completely obsessive like that, you know, and it's like looking glass obsession is with what is it's like that mirror, what is coming at him, an outside force, not an inside kind of, uh, like Rorschach's mask, like kind of showed that moving ink was almost like, uh, showed his emotions, right? Who he was, mm. his inner thought right on him, his face, where looking glass just reflects. It's nothing. It's almost see-through. It's almost transparent. Yeah, you're right. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, he, uh, he has a lot of weaknesses or uh, I feel like he has a good sense of justice when it's not personal to him. Like when, once you bring his person, his personal fears, anxieties, uh, that we, we were talking about into it, 
or his desires that he feel are not right because of his upbringing, um, then he acts weird. He acts kind of yeah. crazy. He loses, he loses his mind a little bit and he gives up Angela, uh, without thinking really twice about it. He, you know, self-preservation and, um, I don't really think that's who he is. I think, uh, you know, in the end, I, th- I feel, I know we see the, you know, we're jumping the gun, but, you know, we see the cult come in. Uh, I'm sorry, the Warshack, um, the 7th Calvary, yeah. uh, you know, come into his, you know, about to go into his house at the end of the episode and look like they're about, but I don't think he's going to die. I think he's probably. I gonna. hope not, because like you, I think you're hinting towards, I hope that he can have some sort of redemption here. Yes, that's what I exactly what I was you know, going to say. Y- yeah, and, because it, it was such a shot. Like it, th- this episode is bookended by shocks to this guy's system. The first shock is the squid. We see that, but the shock at the end, finding out it's fake, is almost just as shocking. And and his worldview is turned upside down. That's true. He just loses his mind, and they kind of give him uh, an ultimatum. Almost, and he being a sucker, it's almost like a cops are telling him he needs to do this. Uh, you know, from a cop perspective, he needs to do that, like uh, give up Angela, or other people are going to get hurt. You know, and some of it's 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 that hard choice that cops sometimes give to people when they you know catch them for stupid things. Um, you know, it's just it's just weird. Um, but uh, I do think um, that he will have a chance of redemption he just hopefully he has to get to that bunker if he gets to that bunker you would think he'd be okay yeah true and also he is a masked vigilant you know he's a hero yeah. so yeah. you'd think that his house would have some more you know uh defenses or that he would maybe suppose- show us something that he didn't show us when he went into the uh place by himself with the gun yeah, you got to think he's set up almost. Yeah, he's uh, he's living in fear, so he's got guns, I'm sure, and other things that he needs. Yeah, and the whole thing with the alarm, um, the calling the company, you know, like I'll get yeah. a new one, bring get it tomorrow. Like he's so running so many drills that he broke the machine. <laughs> yeah, they thought they were, the the way they the guy responded. He's like, "You're crazy," almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's sad too, and it's it's just. Yeah. Uh, the writing he's on desperate. this to yeah, think that there's a whole company that is built around this. And I think it was, was it Vite Industries that made this or was it true? It was probably that makes this EDS system that oh. he has. Um, it's just like taking advantage of people and it just kind of like this world is the same as ours in many ways, you know? Yeah. Because that thing that we know because of what we find out in this episode and we knew this squid shit was fake anyway, if you had read the comic, it's not doing anything. That's right. Right. The reflecting is not doing anything. The squid system is not doing anything. The squid falling are nothing. It's just like a squid fell. It's not hurting anything. There's no psychic energy being released. There's nothing happening at all. Nothing has happened since the original squid attack. Yeah, and this company yeah. could then have no evidence that it's doing anything, so they're just taking advantage of people. Um, 
And it's really, it's a sad thing. And it's, it reminded, I know it must've reminded you a lot of the leftovers. Yeah, absolutely. Like the guilty remnant and the different groups and the hugging guy. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just, you know, preying on people's fears. Yes, exactly. Advantage of them. Yeah. But then thinking, um, the group though was good, you know? The group that yeah. he has is really good. What did you think? We talked a little bit about this on the initial reaction, but what did you think about the guy during the group who talks about how he has his mother's fear in his DNA because his mom was near the attack, even though he was born like two or to four years after it happened? Yeah, I, I, I- Honestly, I didn't really think about that too much, but I mean, it's, uh, I thought that was really interesting. And it, I mean, I could go one of two ways, either that psychic trauma really de- did enter the DNA in some way. And with all the talk in this world of DNA and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, genetic biological engineering, you know, Hey, anything's possible as we see with the pills with the memories. Right. So yeah. it's either he took some nostalgia or there was really some psychic trauma from, you know, from the blast um, that impacted his DNA um, somehow. Um, I guess there's, uh, that could also, I mean, if we're getting into that world, we would just have to, they would have a better understanding of what, what, you know, of the DNA and how our experiences affect that, you know, and how we pass that on to other. Yeah. Cause um, it seems like, our, he, they accepted what he said very openly, yeah. you know? Yes. Um, you would expect that if they wanted you to think that people challenge that notion in this world regularly, that maybe someone in the group would say, you're not a real survivor. You know what I mean? Like how there's often discrepancies within these survivor groups, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like you, you, that's secondary trauma. That's not you know, first rate trauma, blah, blah, blah. But they kind of accepted it. And then also you're right with the introduction of that drug nostalgia, which I did a little reading actually. Um, It was on the 25 years later site, which um, uh, I had our guest on the uh, Sunday pod. Brian was on. And I think, I believe the girls. Yeah, it was great. He's great, man. And there's a, Mm -hmm, uh, there's a woman who writes, um, I think her name is Laura and she does kind of more of an analysis rather than like the theory and breakdown and Easter eggs that, uh, Brian does though. Brian does the analysis as well. Um, and she was saying that in the comic, and if you look in the PDpedia and the kind of supplemental index material from the comic, that it was Vite Industries that created nostalgia. And there was also a perfume. Perfume, yeah, okay. That was in the that was mentioned in the comic. That was like in uh, a a non a non gendered scent that somehow 100%. and and you do nostalgia is other people's memories. That was something that we had talked about that I wasn't sure about, but it is other people's memories. So that Angela took those pills. She could, those could be Will's memories, someone else's memories. So the idea in this world 
that not only can you take a pill and experience other people's memories, but that it's widely accepted that there's intergenerational DNA trauma, does that at all play into the refredations? And you know what I mean? And Interesting, and, yeah. Right? And the stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about with Lady True and the IV with her daughter, they're building up this idea. And it really, that guy saying that and the mention of the nostalgia really made me think more and more that that's what this millennium clock is, that it's going to be somehow like a worldwide nostalgia. And if it was Vite himself that um, that created this pill, you've got to think that that's what this is about. She said, I'm bringing his, um, his uh, Lady True said, I'm, 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 he began so much of my work, you know, mm-hmm. like she sees herself as following through on his sure. work. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I also found, uh, there's just some interesting things with this. Like I, I felt that why, why was the government, why is this outlawed? Why is, why would this be outlawed other than it potentially causing psychosis? Now we've been told things with like tripping on mushrooms and acid that that can also c- cause psychosis. Right? right. Yeah. Well, I feel like the government doesn't want people to be able to do this because they're going to be able to see some truth or something that happened before. I don't, there's gotta be some other reason. I can't, I, I can't believe that it's just that, that this guy, um, that will has given Angela these pills and knowing that, knowing that she's probably going to take them and that they would be bad. Like, I just don't see that, you know, maybe taking them all at once, obviously is not a good thing, but, um, you know, I, I just don't see why this the overarching theme here would be that they're bad and they would because they cause psychosis. So I do think that this might be, um, you know, the government trying to cover its tracks or something. I don't know. And more um, and more and and that there's a lot more to it. Right. You think that yeah, there would be yes. groups of people who were into nostalgia. Right. Like, yeah, yes, man, this show is so crazy because when it drops something like that, you're just like like to find out. Okay, it's like in this episode, we find out that teleportation is normal and in this world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, Looking Glass knew exactly the make and model of the thing. You know, they were using it some teleporter. Again, that seemed to be maybe illegal or banned or something. Nostalgia yeah. pills, people accept intergenerational trauma. Every time we tune into an episode, we're not just diving into characters and learning more about people we've seen through experiences already, but we're finding out different aspects of this world that are so different from ours. Yes. That, you know, there could be like, yeah, like the nostalgia pill thing alone, you could do a whole series on just that. It's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's amazing. A new TV show. Oh, hey, what's the basis for your new fall show? Oh, they make a pill where you can experience people's memory. Like, just the idea of what that, like the inception that could happen, right? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So, so why do you think Will would want Angela to have those pills? He wants her to experience his memories because um, he wants her to see some deeper truth. Yeah, I mean, I can think of. Yeah, that's the feeling I'm getting. Like, why did he go and visit her in the first place? Yeah, you know, and it seemed like Lady True said to him, 
last episode, she's like, well, you went out and had to go meet her anyway. Why didn't you just tell her everything? And he was like, well, I have my own way. And I guess the way is to give her the memories. Yeah. You know, I mean, he wants her to experience it because she won't accept it. If it's just uh, him telling her she'll be closed minded as we saw before. So he's probably right. Yeah. And she, right. She is that, she is that type of person. She said, I'm a black and white. We remember when she had the conversation with her son, Yes, we're black and white people. We know there's things are one way or they're the other way. So she needs to be shown that things are another way. It also ties into um, now that we know that's what the pills are. And she took them all is, and he said, um, whatever was going to happen through either the millennium clock or the pills Mm -hmm. or his, his, him interacting with her, that he would betray her in some way or, or separate her family. family. Yeah. Yeah. Then what is she going to see when we've had so many theories about maybe she's a clone, maybe, you know, he's hooded justice and she's going to find out it. We could get it. I mean, I'm just thinking this next episode who knows what it could be, but I, I think we have to see he's what happens done with some, Angela. Yeah, he's probably done some heinous things to get to where he is now. Like mm. I'd say more recent. That's uh, yeah. or maybe that's why he fell off. Maybe there was some incident that he fell off the map in the fifties. Remember, he just kind of well. Let's say if he was hooded justice. Let's say he was. He was a cop in the forties and fifties, and then he disappeared. Let's say that it is him. Then. Um, there could have been some major incident that made that happen. You know what I mean? So it could be, I don't know. We could just go, go off on so many different tangents, man. I love it. I love uh, all the crazy theories out there that I'm hearing. One of them probably is true. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, um, I like the idea that we find out about him, but we also find out about her and, yeah. you know, maybe we'll fi- find out about the accident with Cal, her husband. We'll find out maybe her childhood in Vietnam, what happened to her parents. Um, uh, this cl- episode, I think, is going to be maybe groundbreaking from um, – I just saw like a, That's a what small I hear. clip. Oh, I didn't see anything yet. Feeling. We'll probably talk about the trailer on uh, – the, uh, but I haven't watched any of the trailer yet, but I know from, I just have a feeling. Yeah. Well, I really... think the feeling is also because critics have seen six episodes and this is the last episode they saw. And there has been some people saying episode six is cr- crazy. You know, it's going to, you're going to love it, you know, but then again, every episode is crazy. I think this is going to so, be kind of like what the hotel episode was. International assassin. Yeah. Yeah. Written by Damon yeah. Lindelof and Nick Hughes, Carlton's son. Yeah, baby. We'll have to see who wrote next week's episode. Maybe Nick Hughes wrote it with him. Uh, he, I think he wrote the second episode of the season with, uh, with Damon this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, correct. man. I like the Angela. I want to get, I just want to say the theory. I like the Angela is a clone or something okay. weird. Like I like ideas like that. Um, so- I think it would be kind of cool. So what do you think? Why why do you think that Keen wants to keep her? Why is she so important mm. to keep her away from what they're doing? Like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna figure that out. I mean, you could look at it from the strict plot way, and she is a cop. She is real. She's was Judd's closest ally, and he is worried that she's gonna uncover something. She, maybe he knows 
maybe Lori is reporting back to him and he knows what's going on with, uh, yeah. with, with, um, with her investigating, you know, the bombing that the bomb that went off there at the yeah. funeral, like the little interactions they've had. Maybe he knows that she found the, the clan outfit, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, yeah. let's not yeah, forget. Yeah. Yes. You know, Lori got sent there by Keen. That's right. With the express purpose of her being his conduit, right? Like that was their agreement. So kind of, kind of, but I don't think she would, she'll, she'll do some heinous shit to a degree, but I do think she has a moral uh, bearing or that she, there are certain things that would fall outside of what she'd be willing to do. You know? I, I would I, agree. I, I agree. I guess that's, that is a question that now stands now that we we've gotten to know Lori better based upon that episode and and what occurred in this episode do you think that i mean she's the one who arrested angela yeah i i, I honestly think that she's going to be end up being a good guy in the end i mean she is i hope she's so just, she's just kind of bitter and she's just pursuing she just wants to probably finish up this case and just be gone you know because she was sent there sent there to investigate this whole uh incident with judd so she can wrap it up then she can get out of there right that's a good point that's a good point we still don't know how closely there's a i mean that to me is kind of I mean, obviously, I want to know the big things that are happening, but as far as the myst- like the murder mystery and Judd goes, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. I still am really wondering how much Lori is involved. Does she know that Keen is heading up the Calvary? Does she know that he? Does she suspect that. it? Yeah, I doubt that too. But then again, may you know, um, Brian brought up a good point in the IR. Why was that a live vest then? Like if that whole thing was just a setup, was that just to convince them? The guy did what have does? a bomb on his. Oh vest. yeah. Oh, you're talking about the bomb incident. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think I, I. It just again, it had to have been a setup. It was the seventh cavalry. It's yeah. keen. Like I, the way he reacted, the way it went down, the way he just came out there, give me keen. I just thought to me it was so obvious yeah. that it was a setup. So maybe it know. just maybe the bomb was just there to make it real. Real, yeah. You know, I think it's to, to make real. it more real. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't, then they would have found that out and yeah, it would have been like uh, that's what I said suspicion. on IR too, I think. So that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, I just I don't know, man, because we Lori is obviously really more concerned exactly with what you're saying. Getting out of there, closing it. She doesn't really seem to have a great interest in figuring out who killed Judd or what's going on. She's apathetic. She, she, she is not, she's obviously been adversarial to Angela from the beginning. Um, but I also think that she is incredibly intelligent and aware. And if she was to kind of wake up out of that apathy, Perhaps yep. then she'd be available to be a hero here or do something good. But you're right. She does seem to be more concerned with her blue dildo and, you know, yeah. just doing I, a job she doesn't want to do. Yeah. And I think she just doesn't want to live life. It seems like yeah, she's just bitter and, you know, and I think Angela is going to help, help her see the light. Literally. 
Um, you know, and I, I don't know if it's when it's going to happen, but I think she's probably going to empathize with her or something's going to happen where she believes her. I so hope maybe so. It's next episode. I hope yeah. so, man. Uh, maybe. They, she like I, I think that Lori is needed here. She has to be one of the good mm-hmm. guys and the, not good guys, but against the forces that are working here against the true and the keen and I'm cheering and for we, her, man. I mean, after what you know from following her story from the comic into this show, yeah. I'm on her. I I want her to be good, and I yeah. I want that to happen. And I want. Maybe this experience with the pills and Angela will somehow bring them closer, you know? I mean, um, but it's pretty much everybody who is important to her was one of these masked uh, 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 vigilantes, right? Yeah. She had Dr. Manhattan, Owl, Night Owl, and then you had her mother and father. So yeah. those were the only characters we really know that are associated with her, and they're all part of this group. She was, she was born from it, and she. You know, she's the girl with the brick. Been around it, yeah. And she's she's by herself now. Of it all, yeah. She's by herself now. Yep. Um, We should mention before we go on that the scene where Michael Imperioli tells people to come back to New York and the whole (laughs) (laughs) that was was awesome, baby. I loved it, and I love that they got him for it, and that was it. He's just in it real quick, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, all the shots of like people, like there were people out in front of uh, the movie theater, like in Broadway show and like that whole thing. It brings a lot of nostalgia yeah. for living in New York for us. Yes. It does. Speaking of nostalgia, yeah. um, the, the, it was funny. The whole setup of looking glass sitting behind a one way glass as he watches people and tries to tell their emotions when he himself can't deal with his own or be yeah. honest with his own was great. But I thought that whole thing was just so I love that market research, weird stuff. I've been a part of some of those. Have you ever done one of those? <laughs> um, no, I haven't. actually. I have. No, actually I think I did participate in one like a long, like over 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. I did a couple of those one time, like a mall. I've done a couple of movies like that. Right. It was a food. It was like food or something. Like yeah, or something so I've like done that. a bunch. I've done a bunch of different ones, and um, it's always interesting because it's like just kind of analyzing different people, and you, you're and what he said is so true. I always felt that people, you know, it's like they say with surveys, and like we had with the last election, where so many surveys were wrong. We're like, after a while, people answer them the way you they think you want them to, not truthfully. Yeah, that's and right. That it was kind of what he was so good at seeing that because that's what he does his whole life. Yeah, brings up election stuff, right? That yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Really, man. all those scenes yeah. were cool, but I especially so like, many layers. Just, just yeah. intelligent. Oh man, it's just so many layers of fun. Surprise! Everything baby. is like, wow, what's going on now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's just like a moment when nothing's going on. You're like, what? Did I miss something? Taking a little break, of course, to tell you about our sponsor, Cufflinks.com. You know, it's just looking over at Cufflinks and checking out their new stuff. Every time there's a new Disney movie, Star Wars, Marvel, they've got new stuff. And use that code Disney Plus to save 20% off your order all November long. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Elevate your style when you step out in the morning. Look good and feel good. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today.
I just want to thank you all for downloading and listening. And I do want to tell you that you can help support us by going to patreon.com slash DVR. If you're a fan of our podcast, you can get everything we do on your own RSS feed. You put it right into your app and you get it. All the podcasts ad-free. You get old Lost Mythos Theorycast episode, the film list. Man, we got tons of special episodes that we're always doing and throwing on the uh, Patreon. So help support us. Go to patreon.com slash DVR today and become a patron for as little as like, what, three bucks a month, and you'll get like seven podcasts a week. That's a pretty good deal. Go to patreon.com slash DVR today. Let's talk a little bit more about the um, 7th Calvary, Senator Keene, the video, that the whole setup of him of... I really had no idea. It tricked me completely. Uh, I thought that this girl or this woman was, I mean, I had some idea, okay, this is taking us somewhere, sure. but you didn't I didn't think it was like this. Yeah. yeah because they did. I didn't either. Yeah. I thought it was going to be more his emotional journey. Yeah. You know, and the stuff in the bar was fantastic. The conversation they had. He's such a great actor. He is. Um, yeah, and she's a good actress, too. I've seen her in a number of things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm supporting roles. Um, yeah, then uh, she, uh, I guess, uh, she had, they're too drunk, and she says she has to get picked up by her friend, um, and then it's really strange, and gives him a kiss to kind of, like, pull at his desire and then the truck pulls away and some lettuce falls off and uh what is that lettuce from the same truck of the seventh <laughs> calvary <laughs> light ball goes on he is a bright dude but yeah there are there are a couple moments like wow you're really not that bright either so you know and that's that's why i love his character it's not he's not perfect he's yeah. real he's human you know it's great i just love, I just love what lindelof did with this character yeah, none none of these heroes are Superman, right? Like yeah. uh, we we see the frailty in all of them, and that whole setup. And then she says to him later, "We even rigged the lettuce to fall off." You know how long that took? <laughs> it wasn't been hard to do that. Um, but the whole like when he enters their lair and they're doing the experiments and with the with the window and everything. Uh, The thing I wanted to say is this. I had a kind of a little theory. Okay, cool. Keen talks to him. He lays it out. He says, I had to come here after the white night. Judd and my friend Judd and I had an agreement, you know, and until one of these, one of these local yokels had to shoot up a cop and I Mm -hmm. have to come down here and keep track. He keeps on like making fun of them. Right. Yeah. Like these racist idiots. But meanwhile, they're sitting in the other room. But see, that's the thing. I don't think that that's them. Okay. I started to have this idea that that Rorschach mask allows anyone to look like the 7th Calvary. And I okay. feel like this is a special science team or different team. Yeah, because definitely science yeah, like the way the guy was standing with such a straight back and writing on the thing, and they were they were 
really the, just the, the the look, the way they held themselves, the interest they showed in the, in the equipment was not a bunch of local racist yokels being like, we're going to kill, you know, like it wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. This was They're not this layers. and it, because they even held they didn't all have the weapons and everything. They held themselves differently than the cavalry we saw in episode 1, right? And then yep. we even saw that the church was fake. Yep, which is great. I love so, that. is the cavalry real is what I'm trying to say like we start off this show with a with the heavy um, dose of reality, America's past, right? A, a racist massacre in Tulsa, um, a cop, a black cop being shot by a white guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we get deeper into this. We find out about the white knight. But now that Keen is exposing himself as the head of the Calvary, and we know they're collecting these magnets, these uh, batteries for some reason, and they're doing these experiments. It just seems like that's not and and the how how well the woman was able to deceive looking glass, yeah, she was a professional, you know, yeah, I mean she's a scientist, but I don't know that somebody had to have known that about him that it could be so easily lured and seduced, right, oh no, like, I agree with that, weird. but I'm saying yeah. that she was not a local yokel. Oh, no. Right? No, definitely not. And she said, I am a radiologist. Not that a local yokel couldn't also be a radiologist. I don't want to stereotype local yokels. But um, I'm just saying that for the purposes of this show, they presented us with two different sides of the Calvary here. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to think that this whole Calvary thing – what how much of it is how much of the white knight all this kind of stuff really was about refredations and racism and how much of it was about people in power trying to exert control over other people i mean those are kind of the same things anyway but you know what i mean for the intent for the purposes of our kind of layered drama here like is what's Keen's bigger plan yeah, no doubt. I mean, he talks about wanting to introduce his program to different cities and all that, but he wants to be president as well. Yeah. So, so what is this big event that he's planning? Like, so, okay. So now we have to like talk about Lady True's event that in the prior episode was supposed to happen in three days. And this episode is supposed to happen. There's an event that's supposed to happen in two days. Are they the same event? I would think Yes. Yeah. It's just from what I've seen. Yes. Like, so, you know, and he doesn't want Angela to be around for those two days. She doesn't want him, her to get involved. But the, then the question would be, so Keen and Lady True have to be at opposing ends is my natural assumption. Mm. Now they could be working together. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's where the kind of different, different, like, um, different factions of the the Calvary makes me think. My I think we both have the uh, the uh, initial reaction to maybe what Keen wants to do is take out the Millennium Clock or do some yeah. kind of. But then what? How does doing that 
or stop Lady True. Yeah, right? how does doing that do. help his presidential bid if he's trying to stop a war between – if he just wants to keep this peace between the cavalry and the cops, how does a big terrorist event that the cavalry pull off, does that – make him be able to say, well, they did a, they're national now. So we need this program to be national. Yeah, that would be from the information we're given. That'd be the obvious yeah. thing, right? I just, and just kind of think there's gotta be another reason or it's deeper than that. I, I don't know. Like, and that, that could have been all bullshit too, that he, it was just some story that it was telling Lori. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, yeah. Is, is Keen's, ambitions solely political and things attached to that uh or are Maybe. his ambitions as hot as big as vite true dr manhattan you know that kind of thing yeah and is the seventh yeah maybe yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. It, it's really hard to figure out if who wants to destroy who, you know, yeah. but it seems like either that not necessarily people, but an idea or the millennial clock or whatever. This, there maybe people's perceptions. Maybe he wants to tell the truth, you know, have people, you know, see the truth. But I feel like that's more what Lady True is trying to do, whereas Keen is using the truth as a weapon. Mm. which is what he does with Wade, right? So he's clearly not interested in sharing the truth with everybody. He's using it to, for his own advantage. You had um, something which, interesting in the notes. Um, we've seen these future events, right? Like Lady uh -huh. True no, with the with the meteorite or whatever fell out of the sky behind the farm. Yeah. We're going to talk about Vite and the satellite later, but that's the thing. Uh -huh. Is the is you you propose is this a future event? What they're talking about, like is, is it not they have like prior knowledge of? Yeah, that's an interesting kind of thing you brought up. Yeah, I mean, you know, time is a big part of this uh, universe, so you have to think that you know, based on what we've seen, and also you know, everything's about the clocks and watches, and even you know, Adrian Veep when he spells out his message for the satellite, it was all precise timing, so. It's that he knew, I mean, obviously he knew the satellite was going to be there with the orbit or whatever. Um, but then it's almost, but there are other incidents where it feels like the knowledge was given to them before, yeah. you know, before they actually knew what was going to happen. Not something that they're planning, but something that they were going to react to. That's cool, man. I, I like that idea that we're all thinking it's something, oh, the millennium clock's going to open or it's going to be a terrorist attack with the batteries. These are what they pointed us to. But could it be like things come in three, a third event in which it is they have prior knowledge of it yeah. and they're able to take advantage of the situation due to their prior knowledge and perhaps both keen and lady true have prior knowledge of it. And it's kind of mm -hmm. a race to see who could do it. You mentioned also, um, the, uh, the, the, the teleporter device and you even, it's a CX nine twenty four teleportation window. Yes. The machine was being tested on 11 two in Harold square, New York city at the Institute of trans dimensional studies and that's what they blame the squid thing on. That's right. So, so I thought made, that was it. That was doubly scary for him. 
Yeah, I can't remember if the exact specifics were given by Adrian V when he told Night Owl and Rorschach, um, you know, about his plan back in the comic. Um, but I think it kind of goes in line with like he knew the the object was going to come down and wouldn't survive. Like mm-hmm. so, the squid was either it was just purely construct poorly constructed, or because of it going through maybe some window that maybe he maybe Damon Lindelof added that part of it. Um, you know, to give it some explanation and that yeah. things can't survive. So maybe those baby squids that also come through these smaller events don't survive um, because uh, life can't survive when they go through these windows. We're not able to, maybe that's what they're figuring out. Maybe, maybe it can, but it just, I haven't seen anything that's shown me that life can survive. And based on what we've seen in the comic and what we've seen with the squids, uh, I just, my first, uh, you know, um, insight is, you know, to think that it's not um, that life forms can actually go through the teleportation window, at least currently. Maybe they've done something different to it. Maybe this radiologist and the science, science, the science team has uh, changed it up now where they can do that. I don't know. That's interesting, right? Because we see them doing experiments with location, it seems, yeah. right? Very yes. – uh, that was awesome. And But that's with a basketball – now, if we had gotten a peek in a different room and they were throwing like a mouse through it or like walking like a dog through it or something, you know, yeah, um, that would be lead us to extrapolate on other ways that they could use this. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I like the idea that these devices and that's kind of like a sci-fi idea, too, that like you create the transportation device and you test, and then the first time you try it out on a human, you know, you get brundle fly, you know, like you get, yeah. you get the yeah. fly instead of getting, you know, like a person being able to use a trans dimensional teleportation. Um, but the idea that this teleportation window accidentally opened up a rift that brought this squid, which is all bullshit. And then they uh-huh. abandon or ban teleportation devices because of that um, is like an interesting side note to this world. Like what they could have accomplished if they used a teleportation or how often do they, we haven't seen any other use of a teleportation device in the show so far. Yeah. You have to think that lady true and, probably other government agents have access to these things as well. Yeah. But then it does make sense that it would be like, no one's yet figured out how to get something alive through it. Yes. I like that dude. That was very cool. All right. You want to talk about, um, let's see. Oh, Jupiter's moon bubble prison. Yeah. He is on Europa. He is. It has been confirmed. Awesome. Good. And that 2001 tie tie in, you know, (laughs) You know, that's the greatest movie ever made and one of the greatest stories ever told in uh, novel form. Um, definitely the greatest, probably the greatest science, you know, and I'm, you know, being uh, subjective here, of but course, to me, it's no. the greatest. Uh, You're not going to get any argument from me, Hustler. I know, man. I know. You know, 2001's my favorite movie and I... Um, okay. Oh, go ahead. There's, there's one thing I wanted to say. So when I was watching Wade in front of the video screens with Adrian V. Uh, telling Robert Redford that, you know, 
he was the cause of him becoming president and he created the uh he caused the squid attack um he it felt very matrix like and like the second second matrix when he, the neo's watching oh himself. yeah that's right Off, over, yeah. And all, yeah and also it felt almost like he was giving him a message he was sitting there like the end of 2001 when the astronaut i don't remember what his name was was listening Bowman. to the communication yeah about um about his purpose the the mission the reason why he had to be there and almost felt like adrian beat was in that same manner was telling I don't know. I just saw a lot of different like 2001 tie-ins. Oh, with this. yes, you're right. When Hal is Daisy, yeah. and then yeah. it stops and it goes, uh-huh. "Hello, this is the real purpose." Now that you have reached, right? They yes. they start talking about the planet, and um, yeah, yeah. I wanted to clarify on the IR. See, in the book, it's Saturn. In the film, it's Jupiter. But see, the book okay. was written for the film. Stanley Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke wrote it together at the Chelsea Hotel. And then Arthur C. Clarke novelized it. And they had they were going to do Saturn. But when they got to making the actual film, Kubrick changed it to Jupiter because they were not able to realistically recreate the rings of Saturn. To his perfecting uh, uh, eye, gosh, in sixty-eight, yeah. So they made it wow. to Jupiter. Arthur okay. C. Clarke loved the idea that it was changed to Jupiter because he always wanted to use Europa in a story because he had long okay. thought that Europa could have life. So in two thousand ten, it is Jupiter, but it's never mentioned that it's changed from the novel. Okay. So okay. yeah, I forgot about that. Like I don't even a, think yeah. I realized that. It's a little it little so little trivia there for uh yeah. for fans and Arthur C. Clarke's my favorite. I love him. I mean, I first read 2001 when I was 10 years old, changed my yeah. life. Childhood's end. Everyone should read it. But yeah, that very oh, is, that, that is a lot like that too. And the shock too. Like cuz Bowman's face is just like, huh? And then yes. Looking Glass is just yes. like, huh? Uh-huh. And you see the yeah. There's a lot of homage in that scene, and also homage to Lost itself. With yes. when, when they when you with see all the yep. old Dharma yep. station things, you know. And now, did you think he was standing in front of the eye of the squid? Yeah, it did look like there was an eye there. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely noticed. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was the actual squid, but it seemed like it was, and it was almost like he was going to go into it, and you know, like, oh yeah, here's a squid right here. And so he could, it's it's to give, um, it's to show him that it's true, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Gonna, yeah, because he yeah. said he did say to him over the next couple of hours, mm-hmm. I'm going to. Ex- so there was a lot more information than just that introduction that we saw that looking glass saw he was there for a couple of hours watching yeah, a very long tape. Right. So yeah. it could have been Vite being like, here's the squid, you know, like to prove everything. Yeah. And what do you think about the idea that he made Robert Redford president, that he was so smart that he not only planned out this, but he planned out what happened after yeah, that that then that brings in the concept of time again. Does he have some 
some other knowledge that he's able to see as you have some other device mm-hmm. that he's able to see into time. I mean, he's, you know, it's, I don't know. It seems like Adrian Veet has, uh, because of Dr. Manhattan, um, he's also being really smart. I think, I think it's a combination of the two of them, like without Dr. Manhattan really knowing what Adrian Veet was doing necessarily, but it just feels like he's had yeah, access else technology there. or, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's he has all this knowledge and he just set he's manipulating the whole world basically on his own. It's incredible, you know. It is. It, it just, is if it you is. look at it from that standpoint, it's like, wow, this this is a mastermind arch villain. Like, in a way, he's more powerful than all those var- arch villains in the comics, right? I mean, the ones that are on the earth, you know, like, I. I he has more impact than all of them put together. I know, you know, <laughs> man, I can't help, but say again. And I mean, I, you know, I'll probably say it to the final episode, but this again, rewatching this episode and what you just said reminds me of thinking, seeing like a mirror of Vite being trapped inside a world that was not real, that was created, that has all these clone babies. And the, are this story that we're following, which seems so deep and constructed and keen and Vite and true and all that. And I just can't help, but again, say maybe this is all fake too. And that, when Dr. Manhattan said those final words in the comic, you know, I want to go create new life. Maybe this is one reality or something. I don't know. I just keep on thinking that there could, there's just something odd about everything. And I know it's a different world, but I just, something I can't get quite my, my, my mind around, but let's talk a little bit about him on, um, on Europa. That was using the yeah, clone corpses. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing back the comic with the tales of the black freighter and the corpses. You already talked about that in the IR. Um, but I, I just, I loved it. I loved all the homages, to, you know, to the comic. And um, so then uh, I guess the message is save me. And then there is a definite D there. And so that could be anything or it could be Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and so what are your thoughts about that? I think it is, I don't know. I mean, okay. So the who could save him, you know, he's often Jupiter. I mean, so we're, we're using our, the knowledge of our world and constructed to, to, you know, our limitations and, and putting it on that world. So we know lady true has some spaceships or seemingly has some spaceships in the millennial clock. So it is possible that she might have the technology and not saying that she does, but the only other possibility I can think of is that she has the technology to get there or it's going to be Dr. Manhattan. So it's going to be one of the two. I don't think there's any other option. I don't think there, I don't think, or himself, you know, yeah, he put himself there, but also dude, it's Jupiter. It's not the moon. It's, you know know. how long, I mean, I know. I know yeah, that they have to be Dr. Manhattan then. Yeah. yeah. Or teleportation. Yeah, that's true. Or, and to create a, to create a biodome that has a, uh, has a, um, an, an outer covering that you can just pass through and be yanked back into. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? It's not even. Well, like, I know Doctor Manhattan created that, so it had to be mind. Doc, yeah, that's why yeah, I think yeah, it has I, to be Doctor Manhattan. The the message has to be to Doctor yeah. Manhattan is what you're saying. Okay, I, right. I think that's- maybe I think that it it you know may at this point I think that. Perhaps Doctor that Doctor Manhattan put him there, and also it says "Save me, Doctor Manhattan," because he knows that will get him press. So if he put "Save me, Lady True" or whatever, um, this calls this this like True. forces Doctor Manhattan into action in some way, or yeah. makes people in Maybe. the world want him. Or then again, it could all be fake, a part of a bigger plot with True or the Calvary. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting the way they kind of tease you with that, you know? Yeah, maybe. So, okay. So if we unpack this a little bit, maybe if um, this event that they're able to see Lady True and Senator Keene, maybe it is Dr. Manhattan bringing Ozymandias back to Earth. Mm. I like that. And they all know it's going to happen. But uh, you would think that if they knew, let's just you know say that this is happening, then Doctor Manhattan also knows, and he'll be prepared, right? So that's the thing: is this show is really fun, and then if you introduce Doctor Manhattan, which is he's got to be on the show. I have no spoilers. Ha- I have yeah, no, no idea. Yeah. I absolutely have no. I really don't have any idea if he's going to appear on the show at all. No. But yeah. he has to, I think. And then once he appears, everything gets thrown out the window. Yep. Because he is in so many ways omnipotent, though not completely. And we should remember again that it was Vite who was able to block Dr. Manhattan from seeing the future, right? All of Dr. Manhattan could see was up until what he thought was World War III, but it wasn't. Right. It was the squid. Right? right? And he finds that out later that Vite is using s- some metal or something. I don't remember, which I think might be what the batteries are, to oh. stop Dr. Manhattan from seeing what's happening. There we go. So yes, is Vite. I remember this now. Yeah. So now that's why I think is Vite calling for Dr. Manhattan as a ruse? Is this uh-huh. whole escape thing a red herring? And he's yeah. really just – if he can time when that satellite's there, then he knows what's happening outside of where he is. He just can't get there. That's right. So, yeah, I do feel like they're trying to they're trying to put – kill Dr. Manhattan or do something. They're de- definitely it's – not, it's not good intentions. Yeah. They're not trying to use him for their means. They're trying to do something to him. Yeah. Um, let's talk some, uh, brief notes before we go. We've talked, we've talked through a lot of the episode. You had some, there was some great music in this episode. Yeah. I know everybody's been talking about the George Michael careless whisper stuff and yeah, that's really cool. And a few different versions and a Frank Sinatra, but the two pieces that moved me the most are Sturgill Simpson. Um, that, 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 and I played that for you before I play, it's almost like it's psychedelic country song. Um, it's much more psychedelic if you listen to the whole version. Um, but I love, I'm actually going to see him in March. He's coming to Pittsburgh and I saw, I saw him already. I love him. You should check him out if you haven't you know, checked him out already. And also Mozart, when Wade was walking into the, the warehouse and that 
uh, tune came on, oh my goodness, I was just like enthralled. This is like the coolest thing ever. Sometimes a classical piece at just the right moment just like can pull you in, or you know, like it, I don't know. For me, anyway, that's that was the case, and that's what happened there. I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I don't know how you felt, but oh man, and 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 that's another two thousand one tie-in where Stanley Kubrick had people doing so many scores, and he just ended up using the temp score, which was classical music. Uh, yeah. for 2001 and i think that that that's the is that the where do they play is that the danube blue danube or the danube waltz or something i think that's yes. in 2001 that is yep so that's okay. a, that's a tie in there sturgill a- simpson has a really cool anime that plays a, that has a bunch of his songs on netflix you could you, people check that out look that up um and also on the careless whisper note Bill Kava, our patron friend and awesome guy all around, um, brings to my attention that it was the founder of Patreon's wife who was singing that song, and Bill Kava met her one time and gave her a bottle of wine. So there you go, people. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, a little interesting that's, story. That's an interesting <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, let's talk uh, about the clone dog factory. Oh, yeah. That, that was... was uh, Wow. My my wife, when she saw that, she that's one thing she she could deal with the human clones and Adrian V just discarding <laughs> them. But when she saw that, she was like, "No, they didn't just kill that dog. What are they doing?" She got really mad about it. Yeah, but it shows yeah, it how sad. it shows that in this world, yeah, the idea of like clones are not look how Vite treats them. Look how they treat the dog. I don't. Yeah, they're just. Would that Jesus. happen in, I mean, you, if you go ahead, if you go forward 50 to a hundred years, cause trust me, there will be clones of everything. And there also will be chimeras in the future of humankind. And a chimera is a mix. So people will want, there's going to be crazy people who put like cat DNA in their kid. Trust me, it's going to happen. Yeah, you know, So you yeah. can see better in the night and then they're going to end up having whiskers when they're 14. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen, dude. It, I yeah. know, you know it is. But it's yeah. interesting that in this world, life is so, they're so cavalier. And then you think this guy who has been through all this trauma and see all these dead people. And then he just, ah, what do I have use for a dog? And then she just kills the dog. You know, I mean, I I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a living thing. I mean, they were, if it was a little bit bigger, it would have been someone's prized possession. You know? Yeah. And I felt, and I also felt with like the clones on the planet. Possession. That's interesting. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, the clones on, um, you know, the, the bubble with Adrian Veet, um, Veit, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the game warden, um, they, they were just, I don't know. They, they seem like he just kind of said uh, he was just really mean to them. And it almost was, I felt so bad for them, you know, <laughs> like the yeah. way he just like abused them like that. And they're just like, Oh, we're just stupid, dumb things. But yeah, they weren't. That- I felt like there was a little bit more to them than that. And that made me think is maybe that why the game warden kicked him in the face like that. Yeah. And treated yes. him like that because they have been, they have really concentrated on showing us Phillips and Crookshank's face after Vite yes. kills one of them or has their bodies or whatever. Um, uh-huh. They always go to flash their face. So it's like, are they, are they going to turn against him? 
Because he said, you know, I know your God has abandoned you, which we think is Dr. Manhattan, right? And now, and he, they're like, you're not our new God. You're our freaking Satan. That's right. You're just indiscriminately killing us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really sad, but go back to the dog factory. It's just, it's the same kind it's the same feeling for me, you know, both of them. Yeah. And I liked his wife, his ex-wife. Yeah, she was cool. She, other than throwing a dog yeah, in, other than yeah. other killing a dog, but that also yeah. added to his, um, you know, her saying like, you know, her, that his anxiety and such add like led to their separation. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a good way to kind of mix that emotional in there with the dog thing. But then it was just so like they have this emotional talk and then they kill a dog. Do you notice that the use of the number seven has been used a lot? Like you said, seven years of bad luck. There's been so many uses of the word seven. I mean, the number seven. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting, but probably has nothing to it. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, You got anything else? No, other than the uh, moment of tenderness between... Captain Metropolis and Hooded Justice on American <laughs> American <Yeah>. Hero Story. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm sorry. It was. Uh, I was just like, I'll never take my mask off or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny, um, and yeah. it was played for humor as well. Uh, yeah, the way that course. they're they're having sex with their uniform, their costumes <laughs> yeah. on. I mean, come yeah. on, yeah. you know. Um, but that was in the comic. And that, and you had mentioned that before, Roberto had mentioned that before. And it's interesting. We've had so much about race in the show. I'm interested to see what resonance that scene has because they did play it for humor. Um, And this show was deeper than that. So I wonder what that maybe Will was gay. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he sure. is hooded justice. Maybe he was gay, you know, may, um, yeah. so maybe that, maybe that's when he says, I'm your grandfather. That's why she's a clone or something. You know, I just, I don't know. Maybe because he didn't have a child with his wife, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with different spitball in it now, but I just, sure. I would, I would like to say that I would like to see with, with a show that is deep, um, you know, that's fine. I'm not saying, oh gosh, they made a fun of gay people with that. No, I'm not saying that no, at all. I'm no, just saying that the show has a lot of depth. That is something yeah. that was in the comics. It was there for a reason. You have Rorschach thinking everybody's gay and writing it down like J. Edgar Hoover in his journal, you know? You also um, had the, the, one of the early Minutemen women, uh, she was, she true. had, she had a lesbian relationship as well. And they, and um, she was, didn't they show they that a lot about that? Wait, did they show that? Did they sh- was that was that in the movie or was that in the show? I thought I thought that was in the comic, but maybe it was in both. I okay, uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe it was just because yeah, what was her sure name? That's um, how she went out. Not uh, Silk Spectre is the other one. Yeah, I can't uh, remember her name. It was with an S too. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, but go ahead. Up? I'll look it up while you're doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying that I think that this is going to have more resonance. You don't. I don't think that Watchmen is going to throw that in there just for for a uh, gag. I think that, I have it. Oh, what is it? So a silhouette. Silhouette. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Silk Spectre and silhouette. Yep. Um, 
I, I just think that it's going to have more resonance later. So yes, that was a funny little scene. It was also funny the way that I totally, I, you know, I said on the IR, I was like unsure if it was actually a porno he was watching, but it is yeah, the show. Yeah, I wasn't show. sure either from first look, and yeah. then I saw it again, and it was obviously part it was of the show. definitely the show. And, but, and also, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it could be, you know, buy or, you know, have interest. So I wasn't sure. But after watching it the second time, he was just watching the show. Yes. We yeah. weren't supposed – that was not a hint to us that Looking Glass is secretly gay or hiding yeah. that part of himself. No. Um, yeah. But I did think that because when the door – when the alarm went off – Right, he kind of uh-huh. jumped up like somebody was he watching did. him watch a porn. Because <laughs> you know, right? yeah, like, yeah. I, I said that off. on the IR, and yeah. I watched it again, and I was like, "No, he really does look like he like shuts the TV off, you know, and he like." Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I thought I was that's like, true. "Hey, we all been there, you know? We've all been yeah. there." Um, right. Red Eye in the warehouse. You saw that too. Yes. And it's definitely a symbol of some kind. It's important. It, again, it goes with that whole dramatic sequence of the classical music and him mm-hmm. looking around and kind of having his world, uh, you know, changed. World so, changed. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you have any ideas? I mean, maybe it's a, s- a symbol of the, you know, the cult. You know, I don't know. Some Calvary. I don't know if there's some deeper. I would have to think that it probably has some deeper meaning to it. Yeah, Brian talked a little bit about it kind of appearing and changing over time, and this one seeming to have like a Dr. Manhattan symbol. And I was reading in the PDpedia, they do mention that not only was there, and uh, I had talked this a little bit with Roberto, but that there is a kind of cult of Dr. Manhattan. So is it possible that kind of the the Rorschach cult, right, was kind of taken over a bit by a Dr. Manhattan cult in some, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, uh, but it was, that symbol was omnipresent. It was like, they, they wanted you to see that. Yeah. So huh. I guess we'll see. We'll see next episode. I think that's about it for today. Well, that sounds good to me, buddy. About it. I don't know what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> Getting tired, I guess, man. It's dark already here, man. It's like 4.30 and it's pitch black here in Portland. Yeah, it's been dark here for three hours. So, yeah, well, yeah. well, we'll just have to have Watchmen light our way. <laughs> was that a good transition? No? Okay, yeah, that's the end fun. of the podcast. Do you have anything you want to say, Aaron? I said, I just, uh, it's getting more exciting. Um, we'll, uh, yeah, I'm going away next week, uh, to Philly. So we'll definitely get a podcast out before I go, but, um, cool. yeah, I'm looking forward to this next episode, which I think will, will be uh, a great, great episode. And th- this actually was my favorite episode of the season so far. Not yeah, I can't even pick. I feel like they're all great. Yeah, they and are. I'm just experiencing them as they go along, and I'm kind of in awe of this show. And I feel like when the season is over, I'm going to take a little break and want to rewatch the season because it's only going to be nine episodes, and they're yeah. so action packed and so much happens. It's not like I'm going to be bored, and maybe I'll just kind of go through it. But um. I'm really enjoying it. We're past the halfway point. Don't forget, everybody, this Sunday, after this great episode, I'm doing a live YouTube show with Hacks Dogma and Justin Thomas, Top Shelf Fandom, before the dust settles, baby, about 7.15, 7.30 Eastern Time. 
So, uh, or my time actually 10 30, 10, 10 30, um, <laughs> Pacific. I keep, I think maybe I I'm saying that wrong. Uh, <laughs> but what time does this show show Eastern? Nine thirty. Uh, this was at nine nine p.m. Eastern. Oh, okay. I got to change that. I think I put that on Facebook. I got to change that up. I get I get confused with time and everything, people. But um, basically, when the show ends, go to YouTube, and I'm gonna put the link in the show notes. It'll be on the website. It'll be on social media. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Justin, like I say, is great looking at the chat and answering people's questions. And Hacks will have a bunch of ideas and. We'll just have a lot of fun doing it. And then I'll be back again here with Aaron on Wednesday. And uh, before that, Friday's Roberto. We're recording that tomorrow, actually. So I'm going to rewatch again. Nice. Get even deeper, baby. So thanks for listening. Thank you, A Hustler. Thanks for all the Apple podcast reviews. Thanks again to Ready for the Logo, to Chiorzo Slim, Tito for the music. Go and buy that music. I've gotten some great emails. I want to say thanks uh, to John, our new patron. And like I said, I've been getting a bunch of emails from people just sharing their experiences and saying they love the show. And uh, that makes me feel good because that's why we do it, baby. So thanks, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.